All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are again with myself, Derek Williams, and Dr. Philip Stanfield in Glendale, Arizona. We had a lot of fun conversations last time, just talking about your practice growth, how you prioritized working fewer days per week, dropping insurances. It's crazy for me to review because think about it, you know, and during the coaching process, I'm going through it kind of real time along with you where, you know, I'm not able to really see things from the end. I still definitely have, I feel like, like have a, have a big picture perspective and I know where we're going, but I still experience it in real time obviously. But so it's fun for me to have experiences like this where we go back and we can kind of look at the long-term growth during this whole process. Yeah, really enjoyable. So let's continue on with things. So let's talk about uh, one of my favorite things in the lifestyle practice is that we focus so much on lifestyle. And I do think that that is what makes us a lot different than other consulting or coaching companies, along with a plethora of other great things. But many clients that I work with, cutting back days is almost always a goal to some extent, but at different points along the way. For the most part, that's typically a very important focus for someone that's been practicing like five to 10 years. Like that's a because they, they just haven't been able to, to do it or haven't had the courage to do it, need somebody to help them a little bit. Most of the new owners in an acquisition that I work with, most of them don't really care about limiting their days in their practice until they've hit a year or even a few years in their practice. But that was different with you. That was a priority for you very early. Uh, so talk a little bit about that. You know, what motivated you to focus on this so early in the game? My first associate job, that corporate office, right out of school, that one was only three days a week. So, you know, I kind of looked for that office on purpose, something like that, to keep my work-life balance where I hope to keep it throughout my career. And so when I bought the practice, I was used to working really hard for three days a week and then having the rest of the week off. And so working less days from the start has forced me to improve my efficiency as a dentist and now I do feel, I feel very confident that, you know, I can do all the dentistry that's necessary for my patients and the success of the practice in that three-day time period. When I first started, I would do four-day work weeks because the previous owner did that. And, you know, I just figured that everyone was used to that. So why don't I do it? But I just never ended up needing that extra day. And I kind of just did it because I thought I should be there because, you know, other dentists are doing four days. It's almost like I guilted myself into doing it like that. And, you know, it was good to have you coaching me through it and kind of easing my anxiety that, hey, you know, it's okay to work less than most dentists, but still keep your expectations high for making a great income too. It just comes down to prioritizing what you really want your life to look like and then just reverse engineering that, making it happen. And I think you're totally right. There's so many, I mean, a lot of us chose dentistry because we, our dentist growing up only worked four days a week and we, we liked that. And so then to take it another, to the next level and work, you know, three days a week or less, I think there's definitely kind of those types of feelings like, oh, what are my patients going to say? What are my staff going to say? What are, you know, what about you know, my friends or, you know, whatever, you know, there is some, there's definitely some judgment that comes along the way, but who cares? Like, I mean, who cares if 
five days was the norm and you went to four or four to three, like, does it really matter what the norm is if you can accomplish your goals? You know, I would argue that you should be doing accomplishing your goals in a le- the least amount of time as possible to get the most out of life. I think it stems from the fact that most people work 40 plus hours a week. And so when they see others that are have found a way to beat the system, it's hard for them to see that. There's a lot of, of jealousy in place. So what about were there challenges or, or benefits from making such a big focus on this so early on and still hitting your financial goals? What were the, the challenges or, or benefits that you have seen from making a focus on this early on? The biggest struggle was just finding staff that only needed that many hours. I think everybody's had staff issues, staff retention issues probably in the last couple of years at some point or another. I am at a point now where our our production is a bit higher. And so we are paying them uh, like weekly bonuses and that improves their pay and, and they still have a low hour work week. And so on their off days, some, some will go temp, you know, other offices if they need more hours. And um, for the ones that do that, I think they like that flexibility. They're here at my office for these days that are set every week. And if there's ever a week that they need more time, you know, they just tell their temp office, hey, I don't want to work this week. And it kind of gives them that work-life balance, too, that most often, you know, staff aren't able to find quite as easy. And so hygiene, you know, that stays open on Thursdays. That's more hours for a few staff members. And from what I've seen, the hygienists typically kind of want to maintain their hours. That matters to them the most. And so what I've been able to do though, is, you know, on a week's notice, if uh, I was scheduled for four days, I would just let my practice manager know and say, Hey, you know, there's just not enough patients to do four days next week. You know, let's condense it and let's do a three day week. And it's not really a big deal to, you know, I don't do that to the hygiene schedule, but for my assistants, for maybe some of my extra front office staff, it's, it's not a big deal to make that change from one moment to the next. And, you know, I still accomplish all the dentistry that's needed for the week. My staff overhead is $1,700 cheaper that week. I get to sleep in one more day, get to go, you know, work out, spend time with my kids, with my wife on that extra day. And so when I can condense it, it's a no brainer. I think the way that I would probably defer a little bit is that in my practice and in probably most of my clients, the more common route is just to pay everyone on that extra day per week. And I mean, that's how I've been doing it for, I mean, over five years now. I think, you know, your way works and that's totally fine. I think in my opinion, the biggest downside would be, it would be harder to have high retention of employees just for that reason. Have you found that or how do you look at the the pros and cons to weigh out that decision? The short answer is yes, I think that does affect retention, but I try to be the boss that I never had, you know, that so that helps it to be less of a problem. I'm kind to my staff, I'm considerate of them. I try to be flexible for them with their life schedules. I try to make sure they get paid well hourly for the hours that they're working. You know, whenever we hit 
a weekly bonus, I always make a point to tell them about how much that raised their hourly rates last week. I think it's important for them to hear that. And again, I think it's it's great to, that shows that there's more than one way to skin a cat. That is something that comes up very frequently that I've found in, in coaching where I don't feel like you know a great coach helps to implement what they think is best. Same aspect that we're looking at, we were just talking about with dentistry. Does the best dentist, you know, like compel or push their patients to have the best dentistry? I would say no. They just do a good job of communicating, look at the pros and cons. So for me as a coach, when I'm coaching, it's not my goal to get, you know, everyone that I work with to do things the way that I do them or what I think is best. It's really my goal just to say, hey, here's the options. Here's the pros and cons. This is what makes most sense to me. But if there's one that makes more sense to you, then let's do it and let's let's make it work. So can you talk about what I see when I look back on things in your practice is when, when I review the numbers in uh, your practice, the first quarter that we worked together, the average daily production that we saw in your practice was about 6,300. The last quarter that we worked together, we raised it by over a thousand, got it to 7,400. And let's see, when did we finish? It's been what, has it been over six months since we stopped working together? Uh, About that. So, and then in looking at your practice now, since we haven't been working together for about six months, your most recent quarter is you've again improved that to over 8,000 a day. So, you know, we're consistently seeing about, what would that be? Almost about like about a $500 increase per day, about every six months. So talk to me a little bit about that, because I think, in my opinion, looking at things, I think one of the reasons why you have been able to continue to push is because of your dedication and commitment to working fewer days. And that's helped you to figure out how to condense the schedule, how to make things work. So talk to me about that and any, any other things that you feel like have helped you to continue to push in that specific way of daily production. I really like that metric of daily production over a period of time. I, I look at that pretty heavily and condensing your schedule one day in a month when your schedule is empty that day or not as full, it makes all the difference for raising that daily average production. You know, I can't always control the total production in my office for a month. There's many factors affecting that. But even if my monthly production is down a little bit from one month to the next, I can still at least control my profitability by watching this metric and condensing days when they aren't needed. I spend a ton of time talking over how I want things scheduled with my front office staff. And I'm pretty sure they think I'm crazy, but in order to hit you know, your production in a shorter number of days, the front office really needs to be smart about how they're scheduling patients. And there's a lot of coaching that I have to do with them on a weekly basis and re-coaching with them, (laughs) reminding them of the, the principles that we schedule by so that I can keep that average daily production high. And that's what gives me the opportunity to condense days when needed is because my front office is scheduling efficiently. Yeah, so key, so key. I've seen that 
in myself and in my practice too. When your staff can really understand your vision and why you're working and like how you're approaching everything and they see that you're really looking at just making every day as productive as possible, then eventually they start to know, oh, it's looking pretty slow this day. Either we need to like really increase our patience and build that day up or, you know, if we get close, it may be worth just calling it a day and, you know, switching those couple patients to another day and just taking that day off. At this point in my career, I feel like my staff understand this so well. They know that if I'm in the office, I want to be busy and, and productive. So there's been, you know, I've had several times over the years where my front office staff has texted me or, or pulled me aside or something and just said, hey, you should probably work a half day on this day or take off early, or uh, we may want to take this day off to condense the week, you know, stuff like that. And when you have a staff that really understands that vision and, and is helping you to reach those goals and, and is supportive of that, man, it just makes all the difference in the world as far as automating the process and, and just making things a little bit easier. So let's jump to, you know, let's stay on this topic of production per day, which by the way, my, that's my favorite too. Uh, so when, for those listening, when we work with clients, we have uh, like a Google Doc spreadsheet that you fill out with uh, the KPIs, the key performance indicators, and the at the center of the spreadsheet, you know, highlighted in a different color, I did that purposely because I feel like it's the most important one to focus on is, is production per day. And that is very helpful when you're going through months, like you talked about. If we can look at, you know, initially... A lot of dentists are just going to look at their production each month. But in this spreadsheet, the way that it's designed is you draw your attention to production per day. And so even if you have a month that is down, if you had fewer working days, then that is going to help calculate that to show you know that maybe your daily production was still just as good or maybe it was even better and you took more time off. But anyway, going along with that theme of really focusing on being as productive as possible in your office, how would you emphasize or break down the importance of, of clinical versus business? How would you differentiate between those two? How did you decide when to put more of a focus on business, more of a focus on clinical? Has clinical been uh, a focus for you? Kind of talk through that thought process. I think before starting for owning and probably while I was in school, I think I would have said, all business. And and now that I, I've had a little bit of time to work on my business consistently, I think some of the low-hanging fruit to increase production for me specifically is is by adding clinical procedures. Not you know, not entirely, but I think that's an area that can help me. I'm challenging myself clinically, but trying to do it at a steady pace so I don't run into as many clinical problems from you know, trying something new for the first time. And um, as I've done that, I've noticed that my average production per appointment seems to be going up. You know, I definitely had many more $5,000 plus appointments on my schedule than I used to. Implants have been a great addition. In a couple of months, I'll be taking an IV sedation course. The hope with the IV sedation is to incentivize patients to do most of their treatment at once while being sedated. And, uh, you know, the fee for the sedation is a good boost. But honestly, I just want to have as many $5,000 plus appointments on my schedule as possible. This is a great boost for 
case acceptance, being able to take the fear of the appointment out of the equation. And it, it, it plays to my strengths of efficient dentistry. I feel like I can get things done pretty quickly and well. And so adding the right clinical procedures for your situation and the type of practice that you have is important. You know, the name of my office is Glendale Gentle Dentistry. People come to me for this reason without even advertising it. And so, you know, I need to kind of capitalize on the type of patients that are already coming my way by, by learning to help them with their fear. And so, you know, a different practice might have different patients that are coming to them because of that. And you just need to make sure you know the procedures that, that really optimize and cater to the type of patients that are coming to you already. Yeah, great thoughts. I mean, I think there's got to definitely be a mix between focusing on business versus clinical. And everyone's different. Everyone, you know, you've got some dentists that love clinical dentistry and would love, you know, they'd go to CE courses for eternity if they could. But, you know, they have a harder time focusing on the business aspect. So, you know, for them, they're probably, they're probably going to get a higher ROI out of spending a little bit more time, energy, effort on their business. And, you know, vice versa is true as well. So it really is just a, in my opinion, just a case by case basis, seeing where people are at and then deciding what is the lowest hanging fruit. Maybe there's some things that we can put energy into as far as business that it's not going to be a whole lot of work, but can really help streamline some things. And then, you know, same thing as far as clinically, there's definitely times where I've had a client and, you know, they're referring out whatever that I think, hey, you know, how many patients do you have that are needing this procedure? You know, we'll talk through that, talk through the need. How busy are you? And, you know, the less busy they are, the more busy they want to be, the more sense it makes to really kind of push in, lean into this effort to grow this in a way. Uh, It's been fun talking to you, catching up on everything. One thing that I wanted to follow up with you on was our very last call. I remember talking to you, you know, and basically saying like, hey, man, look, look at the growth that we've had. You know, you've increased collections from about 800 to 1.2, you know, in your first year, things are looking really good. You've decreased your, your time in the office. Anyway, like, uh, you know, just kind of like trying to give my summary synopsis and helping you realize the growth and how much you've accomplished in a short period of time. But even then you said, you talked about how, well, yeah, I'm hitting my goals, happy about the progress, but I just wish it came a little bit faster. And I told you, at that point, essentially, yeah, I know, I understand that because I've been there in that situation. But at the same time, like really it's come down to enjoying the journey because it's very likely that even if you did reach it faster, you'd still have that same thought of, oh, I wish it came even faster or, you know, I wish I had a little bit more, you know, so a lot of it's, really working on that, just being appreciative, having balancing out a desire to push for more while also being happy with, with what we have. So what are your thoughts on all of that now that, you know, it's been six months since then having that conversation? I mean, I'm still working on the patients part for sure, but I've definitely learned to enjoy the present better than before. I'm more focused on 
what's going well right now and how I should be grateful for those things right now. Life is good. And, you know, as I work hard, life can continue to improve and get even better. You know, our calls really help me to focus on the big picture and the overall month after month trends and to just not sweat, you know, the little things month in and month out. And, you know, as a new owner, it's like instinctive. Every negative thing that happens, it feels like, oh my gosh, it's the beginning of the end. And, you know, you can't help but stress about it. And um, our calls, you know, really helped me to focus on actionable items each month that would directly improve our key indicators that we tracked and to just, you know, just calm down when a problem comes comes our way. Yeah, really great feedback. I think that was the same for me in my first year. In the beginning, you know, you just don't have enough experience, enough time. And I remember feeling the exact same way, you know, like, oh, we had a good month this month. It was really good. But, oh, gosh, are we going to be able to do it again next month? Or, you know, you have some kind of a down week or something. And just because you haven't really had to experience the roller coaster before and the ups and downs, you're much more quick to hit the panic button versus after a few years of going through that, you just you learn a little bit more to roll with the punches and stuff. I think that our brains are just wired that we just want to get to that point in life where we don't have to do anything. Like we're just sipping pina coladas on the beach forever, but it doesn't happen that way. Not that that's not achievable. It's definitely achievable. But my point is that even if we do get to that point of being a possibility, who really chooses that? For someone that's worked so hard for so long, whoever just goes and sips pina coladas on the beach forever. Nobody does because, you know, they realize they actually enjoy the growth. They enjoy pushing themselves. And that's why you see multi, multi millionaires and billionaires continuing to push themselves when they're they're never going to be able to spend that amount of money during their lifetime. And it's it's because it's not about that for them. It's about enjoying the journey. And while I wouldn't be, you know, super supportive of of my clients. I mean, I suppose if that's what they really wanted, then I would be supportive. But, you know, I think there's more to life than just growing the highest net worth. So I I would challenge, I would push back on that a little bit. So if there's any point that we can still take away from, you know, even those multi-multi-millionaires or even in your experience and mine, it's that we just enjoy the growth. So we need to be pushing ourselves to do what you were talking about, to be willing to push ourselves and to, to want for more, but also be willing to take time and, and just say, man, life is good. Look what we've achieved. Look where we're at. It's a good, happy place to be. Okay. My last final question has to do with continuing on. That's often something that I talk about in our last call with my clients is saying, okay, look at how much of you you've grown. Look at, you know, X, Y, Z, how are you going to continue to do that? You know, let's come up with a plan. What are you going to continue to review? Are you going to be accountable to anyone else? Are you going to be accountable to yourself? How can we make this self-sustainable? So now, you know, that you've been without coaching for the last six months, what are you doing as far as continuing to push yourself to work through those those habits, having a bigger perspective, not sweat the little things as much, to focus on on reviewing and being able to be in control of the practice. What have you learned about that process as you've transitioned out of coaching? Any challenges that you've had or things that you have had that have made it sustainable for you? 
I'm still filling out that KPI form, the performance indicator form every month to track how things are progressing. I need those trends and I need to see those patterns to know kind of what direction my business is headed. The most instructive part of our coaching though was forcing myself to sit down once a month for an hour or so or more and you know, truly answer the, the questions on the forms that we used for our coaching calls. And, uh, you know, when I really sat down and thought through those things, our calls were, you know, really productive, uh, you know, because then we had identified potential problems. Uh, I mean, I had even before doing the phone call, right? That's, that's what the form was for. I, identifying those problems, thinking of potential solutions. And then, you know, at that point, you know, you could do your part of helping to confirm those problems, solutions, and, you know, you kind of helped, helped me through it. But it was good that you had me do it first before our call, because I think that taught me to do that critical thinking so that now that, you know, we're not coaching, I, I still feel like I know how to, you know, sit down and use my brain and figure out what's wrong and figure out how to fix it. I think along with that, the form is not only for the client, but it's still very much for me. A lot of times we ask to for clients to send it, you know, about 24 hours before a call because we review that. We go in and look at it. We think through those things. And a lot of times I have that thought process where it's a little bit easier for me I guess you would hope that it'd be easier for me to come up with solutions to issues that clients have than the client. You know, a lot of times as the client, you're just like in the thick of it. There's so much going on. It's hard to see the bigger picture. It's hard to see a path out and those kinds of things. So I have a little bit of an an elevated view, but my goal is not just to provide solutions. It's to help the client ask questions and to start doing the trouble solving to figuring out on their own, you know, what kinds of things, because the more that I can help you work through it and maybe, you know, use some leading questions and help you see the options to you, the more confidence you're going to gain. And the more you're going to understand the questions that you can ask yourself in the future to help guide yourself to long lasting success. I feel like you coached me in that, you know, you helped me to know how to do it better, but I feel like you you know, repeating myself, like, I feel like you actually coached me, though, like you showed me how to be a better business owner so that I could do it on my own. And I think that part of it was probably, you know, learning the habits to have and the questions to ask. That's been the most helpful, because now I can kind of use those habits and those strategies to tackle whatever new problems come along. So like I said earlier, I really do think that we are different. What we are offering is is different than, I mean, how many groups out there are there where you're going to have a call and personal attention every week or month from a dentist that has been where you're at, you are and is where you're trying to get to? You just don't see that very often. And, you know, that combined with this lifestyle component, focusing on leadership, focusing on how do we get this person, this dentist to be able to continue these leadership skills after we're done working together. It all just blends together really well for, you know, what I think is <laughs> an amazing experience, but I am biased, but no, it was, it was good. It was a really good experience. Well, I appreciate that. Really appreciate you coming and spending your own time on your Thanksgiving break to share with everyone about your experiences in ownership. 
and the coaching process. So really appreciate your time. If there's anyone that's wanting to get in touch with you or ask you more questions, do you have a way that uh, listeners could reach out? I don't really have a whole lot of social media. You could shoot me an email if you wanted to ask me a question at uh, stanfielddental at gmail.com. I have an Instagram that I'm going to start posting some cases to. I need to, in the process of picking out a camera to get some good pictures of uh, before and afters for patients. And so once I start adding to that, that's um, doctor.stanfield. That's probably it. I don't, I don't usually use social media a whole lot. Awesome. Well, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. It was a a pleasure working together. You probably remember me, but I, you know, I remember telling you that you were a lot of fun to work with because, you know, you came to the calls prepared, a lot of good follow-up. I knew that, you know, when I sent you an email after with action items of our call that you were going to follow up on it and that the next time we talked, I was going to see progress from it. Yeah. Thanks, Derek. I appreciate it. It was a good experience. I'm very glad that I did it. I uh, wanted to reach my goals as quickly as possible. And I feel like you guys definitely uh, streamlined that for me big time. Yeah. Good deal. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your uh, Thanksgiving break and we will talk to you later. All righty. Thanks. Talk to you later. Sicker than your average.